Welcome to the Liberty Baptist Sermon Archives. The message you're about to hear was preached at Liberty Baptist Church in Easton, Massachusetts. You can find out more about us or contact us at mylibertybaptist.org or just look us up on Facebook. And now we hope that this message from God's Word will be a blessing to you. And we are in the book of Acts and chapter number 14 this morning as we are in our final message of our mini-series moving forward in my church and certainly what a month it has been when we consider Liberty Baptist Church and we consider the anniversary and all that we have seen over the last few weeks and really over the last several months we want to continue to move forward in our church and certainly the book of Acts gives us the blueprint of what the first church would have been like and how the first church spread not just from Jerusalem but to Judea and Samaria and literally to the uttermost part of the earth and this morning I have a message for you that I like to preach called a healthy church member a healthy church member we ask ourselves this question this morning what makes a good church member or maybe if we were to put a little bit of a finer point on it this morning we would ask ourselves this am I a good church member what makes a good church member? But then we want to ask ourselves with a little bit of introspection this morning, am I a good church member? Now, you may not be a member of Liberty Baptist Church today, and I would say to you, please don't leave, first of all. But secondly, uh, we would like you to listen and certainly to ask ourselves these questions because many of these things just apply to us as believers, whether we are part of a local church or not. And certainly, we hope and pray that you will consider making Liberty Baptist Church your home here today. And certainly we would be honored for you to consider that and seek the Lord's guidance in that matter. But you know, with membership typically comes both rights and responsibilities, doesn't it? With any kind of membership, no matter what you are looking at, with membership comes rights and responsibilities. If you have a gym membership, which almost everyone does in January, now July, not so much, but in January, if you have a gym membership, it allows you unlimited use of equipment and resources, but you do have some responsibilities, don't you? You have to make sure that when you're done, you know, you wipe up your sweat off of whatever you had been using, that machine, and you have to make sure you don't have loud music, and you have to have consideration for others who are there, and usually there's a code of conduct, and if you don't follow it, then uh, you might have your membership rescinded. There's rights, but also responsibilities. You can have a membership at a golf course, and if you have that, you have unlimited access to all 18 holes of that country club of which you belong. But at the same time, there's also literally, or typically rather, a course code of conduct, which means that when you're playing on the golf course, there's a dress code. You have to dress a certain way while you're playing there at the country club. There's pace of play rules. There's care that you have to take on the course. You got to sweep those bunkers and make sure you get your footprints out of it uh, so that someone like me doesn't hit it in your footprint uh, later on because I'm definitely going to hit that bunker. There's no doubt about it. And so there's rights and responsibilities at the golf course. Man, you have a Costco membership. There's rights and responsibilities. What's the right? You get a hot dog for a buck. I mean, can we just dwell on that for a second? In this economy, you get a hot dog and a drink. I think it's like a dollar fifty cents. I mean, that that is that is insane. I mean, you ought to join just for that, and it's good too. Uh, what, you say, Pastor, I haven't seen as excited in weeks. No, it's uh, it's it's amazing that they that they will do that. You can get a pizza for like five bucks. Unbelievable. Uh, but they have some responsibilities. There's certain things you can only buy certain quantities of. They'll limit how much you can buy. You know, you can only buy 
you know, 5,000 rolls of toilet paper at one time. You know, that's the, the least that you can do or the most you can do. Uh, when you leave, you have to consent to have them check your receipt and your cart. Uh, you're a member. You consent to that. And, of course, it's always funny to me how they look it over. They don't really look at anything in the cart. and They just kind of swipe. Eh, all right, see you later. We'll see you next time. Don't forget your hot dog on the way out. Uh, there's rights and responsibilities. And we understand that's true with anything that has membership in life. But, you know, it's also true for churches as well. That with the church that God has given us, there are wonderful, amazing benefits to being part of a church family. But yet there will be some who would balk at the responsibilities that also come along with it. But may I tell you that whatever responsibilities there are that we find from the word of God, that the wonderful benefits of being part of a church that loves the Lord, that loves souls, and get this, loves one another, the benefits far outweigh any of the responsibilities of being in that type of church. And so I want us to look at what does it mean to be a healthy church member from the Word of God today? Would you stand, please, for the reading of God's Word, if you're able? In Acts chapter 14, again, if you are not able, please remain seated. But if you can, please stand. Acts chapter 14, and we'll begin in verse number 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city, now you might say, who is they? Well, that would be Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting and commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Adaliah and then sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. Literally meaning they're going back to their home church, their base camp at Antioch. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. And what we see here in just these few verses is what I would call a launching off point this morning as we look through our Bibles today at what makes a healthy church member as we ask ourselves, am I the church member? Am I the believer that God would want me to be? You may be seated as we get into God's word here this morning. In our text, we see that Paul and Barnabas had a desire to see people saved as they were together on their first missionary journey. As two men who were part of the leadership of Antioch, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit identified Paul and Barnabas as those who were to go as missionaries. Now, for us, being a missionary or meeting missionaries is not a new concept, but at that time, for someone to be an itinerant preacher, to literally go from town to town and preach the word of God in places where they had never heard the word of God before, to have believers then come together and join in these co-ops, these uh, individual locations called churches, was something that was brand new. And here they are going from town to town and place to place, and they go all throughout the area of Greece and Turkey today that we would call, or rather Turkey, uh, that would be called Asia Minor, uh, going through that area and preaching the gospel. However, as they were heading back to their home base in Antioch, what they did was they went back to all the towns they'd been to before. 
Now remember, travel back in those days wasn't as simple as it was today. There were no planes and trains and automobiles and things like that. They were taking long and arduous journeys. The fastest they could possibly go would be on a ship, and even then would not rival anything that we would have today. And so this would be a long journey. And what they would do on this long, dangerous journey would go as far as they possibly could preaching the gospel, and then they would go back basically on the same route in which they went. And the reason they did that was to go back and check on the people that they had seen saved some weeks or months or maybe even year or so ago. And so they backtracked all the way back to Antioch. And as they did so, they took the believers who were there in every town and they didn't just say, hey, you all still believe in Jesus Christ? That's great. Well, see you later. They said, what we're going to do is make sure that you band together in a church and that we set up these churches in such a way that there's leadership and that we have prayed over what that leadership is and that you come together and that you are not just free agents just kind of doing whatever you want, but realizing, as we talked about last week, that there's power in numbers and that God wants to put you together as a body, that they establish these churches. So they established this pattern where they saw souls saved, that they confirmed and exhorted them to continue in the faith. That's in verse number 22. It says they it confirmed them. That means to establish them, to strengthen them. They exhorted them, which means to call to one side, to summon, to encourage. They exhorted them, hey, come alongside Jesus Christ. But they didn't just exhort them to do that. They said this, now come alongside one another. Now I'll tell you this, if it comes down to having to choose, I need Jesus Christ and no one else. But I thank the Lord, I don't have to choose between Jesus Christ and everyone else. God has given us the opportunity to know Jesus Christ, but then also to band together with others who know Jesus Christ so we can encourage each other and help each other and exhort one another, as the Bible says, even much more so as we see the day approaching of Jesus Christ's return. And it says that they prepared them for tribulation, meaning this, knowing that there was going to be troubles ahead. And, you know, we have troubles today, don't we? You know, one of the best parts about being a church member is that you have people who will pray with you and encourage you and help you during your times of trouble. And that could be because of health troubles. That could be because of financial troubles. That could be because of just the troubles of this sin-cursed world that we live in, this tribulation that comes. And he says that he prepared them for the tribulation that would come, meaning the troubles that they were dealing with. They established leaders in the elders meaning this, that there had to have been some established leadership that was there. And those elders, another term for pastor, they were not better than anyone else, just like I'm not better than anyone here just because I'm a pastor. But they recognized there was a unique calling on their life and also recognized that anything that's worth anything has to have someone in charge to be able to make sure the organization moves ahead as it should. Now, we recognize here this morning that the one who is in charge is not me. You say, Pastor, we can tell you look confused. Even during the announcements, you look confused. No, no, I'm not talking about that. We understand that it's the Lord who is in charge of his church. This isn't Rivero's church. This is the church of the living God. And so he is the one that's in control. He is the one that leads. And I must lead only as his word allows me to lead. But in that, there were still elders who were established in each of these churches. We see that right in the text that we read. Then they commended them to the Lord for a common purpose. They were to go and to reach other people also. We talked about that last week. And then this is the task that God had given Paul and Silas because it says in verse number 26, and thence they sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. Well, what was the work that God had given them? To see people saved, to see people baptized, and then to become part of churches. It's almost like it was the Great Commission. And so here we are having churches established 
And to have churches established, you have to have leadership. But I'll say even more so than that, you got to have people. Because even the leadership is just people. They're part of the church, just like you are, just like I am. We're all just part of this church together. Churches were established, which meant members were put in place for the purpose of strengthening each local church. But yet for a church to be strengthened, it needs strong and healthy church members. Because remember, this church is not the building. If it was, we wouldn't be a very strong church. At least we'd be a leaky church. I do know that. Uh, they would have a problem with heat every fall. But that's not what makes us a church. What strengthens us is the common strength that we all have in Jesus Christ undergirded by the Spirit of God. And so in a topical way this morning, I want us to look at some biblical thoughts as to the qualities that make up a healthy church member. What would be some of the qualities that we find that would make churches strong in the book of Acts? And what are some qualities that we would find would still be important for us today as the people of God to be the church members, to be the Christians that God has called us to be? First of all, I see this this morning. A healthy church member is saturated with the gospel. A healthy church member has to be saturated with the gospel. That means this, they know the gospel. Do you know one of the prerequisites of being a member of God's church is to be one of God's people? Let me run that by you again. One of the prerequisites of being a member of a church, I mean, one of the things you have to do before you are a member of a church is to be one of God's people. If it's his church, you got to be his people. Well, that sounds very exclusive. Well, the good news is Jesus says, whosoever comes. That's the call, isn't it? Is that he desires all to be saved. That's what Jesus Christ does. But to be a member of a church, you have to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have to be born again. It's one of the uh, things that bonds us together. That's why we can meet some of you that we've never met before. Maybe we see you for a week or two weeks and we feel like we've known you forever. Well, why is that? Well, it's just kind of the way people who have similar interests and all that. I've met people with similar interests to me that like the Red Sox. And guess what? I don't like them. And they talk to me for a few minutes and they don't like me. Uh, but you know what I find is that when we know Jesus Christ is our Savior, there's a common bond, isn't there? That we get to know each other and talk to one another. And sometimes you can talk to someone it feels like you've known them forever. And well, you will get to know them forever because we'll have time in heaven, won't we, to get to know each other forever. But in the meantime, you have to know the gospel. And John chapter 3 gives us the outline for knowing the gospel that you must be born again. And we just talked about that in Sunday school this morning. But a healthy church member is saturated with the gospel. They don't just know the gospel. They desire to hear the gospel. You know, I mentioned this this morning, but a church member should never tire of hearing the gospel message. It amazes me. There are people that will watch the same television show over and over and over again. There are people who will watch the same movie dozens of times. They say, Pastor, every time I watch it, I see something different. Every time I watch this, this video, every time I watch it, well, I just dated myself, videos, uh, that, those VCR tapes. Uh, anytime I watch these things, I see something new. I, I really enjoy it. But if that's the case for Hollywood entertainment, how much more so should it be about the gospel? I never tire of hearing the gospel message. And if there's times that maybe I'm wandering a little bit, I have to, in my mind, I have to remind myself, Lord, make this fresh and new to me again. I'm not talking about an artificial excitement, but just remind me how exciting this truly is. Help me never to get over the salvation that I have. Listening to a sermon on the gospel should only encourage us if we get saved. It's amazing. 
that we can see the gospel from so many different facets, like a diamond that you can turn that has dozens and dozens of facets. In every direction you turn it, you see it from a different angle and you see a, a different uh, a scintillation and you see different flashes of light. And it's the same way with the gospel of the word that when you read about the gospel in Genesis, yes, the gospel's in Genesis. It didn't just happen in the New Testament. When you read of the gospel in the Psalms, when you read of the gospel in the gospels, when you read of the gospel in Revelation and you keep turning it in the word of God, well, don't read it this way because it's upside down. I can't read anything. But you understand that as you go through page by page, you look at it and say, wow, it's fresh and it's new and it ought to be exciting to us. Church members saturated with the gospel, they know the gospel, they know salvation, but then they love hearing about it. I love to hear the story, but not just that. A healthy church member should love to preach the gospel. Oh, pastor, that's where you're wrong. You're supposed to be the preacher. Well, no, there's an old hymn that says this, I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory and Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story to those who know it best. Be wandering just like the rest. And for us, we should love to preach the gospel. You are a preacher of the gospel. Preacher literally means proclaimer, that you proclaim the gospel. That a healthy church member wants to give the gospel to other people. And, and whether we realize it or not, the old children's song, there's an old hymn, but there's an old children's song that we teach the young people in the back. It says this, do you know, O Christian, you're a sermon in shoes. And I love that. I have to give a sermon today. Well, I don't have to. I want to. Uh, you may not want me to, but I want to. Uh, I give the sermon this morning, but when you go to work tomorrow, you'll give a sermon depending on what you do and what you say and how you respond to people when they act like the world. We all have to preach the gospel, but a healthy church member wants to preach the gospel. A healthy church member centers their life around the gospel. And that's kind of a buzzword today, gospel-centered. You, you hear that a lot. Uh, but I will say that a lot of times when you hear it, it doesn't have anything to do with centering your life around the gospel. But a healthy church member understands this, is that God's word and the gospel is everything to me. That everything in my life centers around this fact. I'm a Christian. That, that we don't do what we want to do and then say, well, let me throw a little bit of Christianity on it. But a healthy church member bases his associations, his words, his finances, his habits, his calendar, and everything else off of the fact that he's a Christian. That if it was a wheel like you would see on a wagon, that the hub, that center, is the fact that I'm a Christian, and all the spokes that go off of it come around that hub. Uh, everything has to be connected to the hub. If it's not, the wheel doesn't work. And the same way for us as believers, that we must be gospel-centered. Everything that we do centers around the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is what lasts. Your car doesn't last. You know how I know that? Because I got one that don't last. And we've got a church van that got to go to the garage. And we've got a van that's got to go to the garage. And I wish they would not do it at the same time. But uh, they don't last. And your homes don't last. Apartments don't last. We have a dryer that last night decided it didn't want to last. Right while they were getting all their clothes ready for camp. Sorry, you got to have dirty clothes in camp. Sorry about that. Uh, we're working on it, though. Actually, the apartment's working on it as we speak. But here's what I understand. Those things don't last. You know what lasts? The gospel. The gospel's everlasting. The souls that we can bring with us. And so it's important for us as church members to saturate ourselves with 
the gospel. We know the gospel. We desire to hear the gospel. We preach the gospel. We center our lives around the gospel. We defend the gospel. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You say, Pastor, how am I supposed to defend the gospel? I don't know all the verses. I don't know how to tell people about salvation. I don't know how to explain any of those things. And my answer would be simple. Are you always ready to tell people your testimony? Because that's a great place to start. Well, Pastor, I don't know that I know the Romans road, and I don't know that I know the verses just right, and I don't know that I memorized all the verses that I could tell people. Well, listen, I can understand why that could be difficult, and you can learn that over time. But here's what you can say. On December 2nd, 1998, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Now, your date will be different. Your story will be different than mine, but we all have that testimony, and we're ready to defend the gospel. A healthy church member is saturated with the gospel. But I also see this, number two this morning, a healthy church member is a student of the Bible. Think about this. If this is God's church, and we're members of it, then shouldn't we know God's Word? If this is God's church, and we're members of it, Shouldn't we know God's word? Now, this doesn't mean that you need to have your PhD in biblical studies. You know how I know that? Because I don't. I don't have the time, the money, the resources, or the inclination to get one. But I do know this. You don't have to go to Bible college. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't need to spend tens of thousands of dollars to be a student of the Bible. You know what you need? A love for the Bible and a love for your Savior. And a healthy church member is a student of the Bible. Philippians 3.10 puts it this way, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And this manifests itself in three different ways. How are we students of the Bible? First of all, by having a healthy prayer life. You say, well, pastor, you're talking about the Bible. Now you're talking about prayer. Those don't go together. You would have to know that if you are a child of God, that it's like two sides of the same coin. Just like you can't separate heads from tails, you can't separate a study of the Word of God and prayer because we ask the Lord to illuminate us and to guide us in all truth. He is the one that guides us, His Holy Spirit in all truth. 1 Timothy 2, 8 says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. A.W. Tozer put it this way, to desire revival and at the same time to neglect personal prayer and devotion is to wish one way and to walk another. To desire revival at the same time to neglect personal prayer and devotion is to wish one way and to walk another. We're to have a healthy prayer life. But we also need to faithfully read the Word of God. The Bible tells us to study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. You should read the Bible a little bit every day. Okay, that went over as well as I thought it would. I'm going to say this again. All right. I'm going to come down here so you can look at my beady eyes. All right. We need to, you shouldn't have laughed that much, Chuck. It wasn't that funny. Okay. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I've wanted to say that to you for a while. So, <laughs> no, we, we need to be in our Bibles every day. Every day. Every day. Well, how much, Pastor? Well, I know people. I know one uh, a senior saint, 70-some years old, reads his Bible through six times a year. I know some that read a chapter a day. Well, who's right? Well, they both are. That's the way the Lord's leading them. I'd imagine if you're new at this, reading through every two months is probably not a good idea. But I imagine if you've known the Lord for 50 years, one chapter a day is probably not a good idea. You know what you do? Ask the Lord through prayer how he would lead you. But we got to read the word of God every day. You know, 
it's a shame that there are Christians that hear more of the world's music, that they see more of the world's television, they see more of the internet than they do of God's word because here's the, those things are temporary, they don't last. Uh, listen, a podcast is here today and gone tomorrow. What you stream on television is here one day and gone tomorrow. Do you realize one of the crazy things about streaming television and streaming videos and stuff is that we don't own anything anymore? They can take, and streamers are doing this now because they're not making money. Big surprise there. They're not making money, so they're taking stuff off of their streaming platforms, and because there's no physical media, it's like the stuff never existed. It's just gone, just like that. Did I watch that show a year or two ago? You can't even remember, then you can't find it. It's like it never existed, like it never happened. Do you know what lasts and is permanent? The Word of God. Amen. So we want to put time in that. Well, pastor, am I supposed to have any recreation? Who said you can't have recreation? Who said that you can't have time to be able to let your mind uh, relax and unwind? There's no problem with that. That's a wonderful thing. That's a blessing. Uh, but we need to make sure that in the midst of it, we read and meditate on the Word of God. Meaning this, I just think about the Word of God. I just take times where I'm, I'm not listening to things. I just, I just have quiet and I just listen to what God's teaching me. That's what a healthy church member does. But they don't just have a healthy prayer life. They don't just faithfully read the Bible. But that student of the Bible, you know what they're going to do? They're going to live by the Word of God. Whoa, there's your problem. There are people who will read, but they don't want to live by what they read. You know what we call them? We call them hypocrites. You know what Jesus calls them? Pharisees. And that's what he calls them. And I would hate to say, but I believe there's some truth to it, that there's a little bit of that in all of us. But what we need to know is that when we read the Word of God, it's, Lord, what do you want to teach me today? Help me to learn about you today. Unfold your greatness and your glory to me today. And as I learn more about you, I start to see where I am. And as I learn more about you, I start to realize places that I'm deficient. And, and I was just talking about this actually in our home last night, about the fact that we don't read the Word of God necessarily to say, Lord, uh, what do I need to fix today in my life? I mean, you can do that, but it would be far greater to say, Lord, show me you today in my Bible reading. Because as I start to see you, then I start to realize where I'm deficient. And then the Lord can do the work in my life. That's the blessing of it. But that we live that which we read. What would happen to believers if we just lived by half of what we read? Or a quarter of what we read? We'd transform the world. A healthy church member is a saturated with the gospel. A healthy church member is a student of the Bible. A healthy church member is a serving member. A serving member. You know, we don't get to hire out those who help with this assembly. Uh, we have to meet the needs of the assembly within this assembly. And that means those who are part of the rights of the church also bear some of the responsibilities of that church as well, which means this, we're faithful to services. Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. And I've heard people say, Pastor, you know, it doesn't say in the Bible, you go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And the answer is, of course it doesn't. It says this, that the assembly, in the book of Acts, they met together daily. That'll blow your mind right there. And the Bible says that as the need grows greater in this world, we ought to be getting together more, not less. You know, sure, I mean, I could take off Sunday night and you could take off Sunday night and Wednesday night and like we'd have more time on our hands, but don't we need more time in the Word now than ever? 
in the world that we live in. And so a healthy church member is faithful to all the services they can attend. That's what we always want is if you're able to be here, be here. And I know on Wednesday night particularly, there are things that are going on. There are times that people are sick and there are times that people are providentially hindered. And certainly we understand that we don't take role here. We're not just looking out uh, for people. When were you here? When were you not here? We're going to try to, we're going to mark you down. We'll call you if you, well, maybe we will call you, but it's not because we're upset at you. We just, if you're gone for a few weeks, we want to make sure you're doing okay because that's kind of what a body does. We're not trying to write you up or put something in your permanent record, guess what? We don't even have a permanent record for you. And we know where it would go. But we want to be faithful because this is God's house and I want to be here as much as I can. A healthy church member is a serving member, which means they put others first and put themselves last. Mark 9, 35, and he sat down and called the 12 and saith unto them, if any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. I think John the Baptist is tremendous in so many ways. But John the Baptist, do you realize he worked himself out of a job? What was John the Baptist's position? To be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. In fact, the book of Malachi said that he with the spirit of Elijah would come and prepare the way before. And, and there, in John chapter 3, right after Jesus uh, was speaking to Nicodemus, there were those who tried to stir John up a little bit because the disciples of Jesus were baptizing more than the disciples of John. And they kind of came to John and says, aren't you upset about this? Don't you... I mean, look, you are the man. I mean, everybody want to come see you. And now you're kind of like, you know, your 15 minutes of fame are over. And now Jesus is here and he's the one that gets all the attention. Aren't you upset about that? And he puts it this way. He says, should the friend of the bridegroom be upset when the bridegroom is there for the marriage? Meaning this, he understood he wasn't the groom. He was the best man. And the best man should not leave the wedding in that day. And everyone says, boy, let me tell you, the best man was incredible. Something's wrong with your wedding. Let me tell you, that bridesmaid, I mean, she was absolutely incredible. What about the bride? Well, who's she? Something is wrong with your wedding, if that's the case. And John understood who he was. He says, hey, I'm in the background. I have one job. And that was to be the forerunner of Christ. And that's what's happening. So I'm happy. So what do we do here? Well, I, I have to have my name put on front of a classroom or, or I have to make sure that I'm the one that gets recognized or I have to make sure that I'm the one. Oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. It's really all about him. You say, well, you're the pastor. You get to get your name on everything. You'll notice that my name's not almost any of the tracks. I don't put my name outside. Nobody drives past 800 Washington Street. That sign said, Pastor Adam Rivero, I got to get there. Who am I? It's all about him. It's got to be about him. He has to be first. We have to be last. And we have to serve others first and ourselves last. We're involved in ministries. Be, be involved. Play a part. A healthy church member is part of ministries. Any, any ministry that doesn't have people in it is just a vote to close down that ministry. I'm thankful for the ministries that we have and the ministries that grow and flourish because so many people work so very hard. I, I look at our 10th anniversary and what an example that was of people banding together, doing work for a glorious day that we're still seeing dividends of today. Wow, praise the Lord for that. A healthy church member also does this. They work under authority. I got to go quickly here. They uphold the office of the pastor. I'm not any better than anyone else in this church, but God has laid a calling upon me to lead the church. That doesn't mean that I'm above reproach. That doesn't mean that I'm above uh, of anything or that I speak. When I speak, it's like the word of God, like the Pope would be or like the Pope claims to be. But no, uh, what do we do? We understand that God has a plan for our church and 
And so Hebrews 13, 7 says, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for this is unprofitable for you. One of the most sobering thoughts that I ever have as a pastor is this, is that when I get to the judgment seat of Christ, I don't just have to answer for my faith and my family's faith, I have to answer for your faith. Say, Pastor, that's not in the Word of God. I, I just read it. For they watch for your souls. One of the greatest gifts you can ever give to your pastor is to pray for your pastor. You know why? Because that's a heavy burden. And there are times that I go home and, and it may be 8 o'clock at night by the time we leave here uh, on a Sunday night or, or 8 o'clock at night by the time we get home uh, on a Sunday night and it's been a full day. Uh, but I tell you that the burdens still continue because I know there are people that have been hurting that day. I know people that are troubled. Maybe even people who have made the wrong decisions and are going the wrong way. To, to help uphold the authority of the pastor and to pray for your pastor. Not that I think that I'm better than anyone here. If you've been here more than five minutes, I hope that you understand that I'm pr a pretty self-deprecating person, almost to a fault. But what I do realize is this, that there's been a burden, but a blessing laid upon me. And to be able to be a healthy church member, to, to be part of that structure where you uphold and help as you can is a blessing energetically follow the leader of any ministry. You know, you won't be able to lead every ministry of this church. Different people lead different ministries. And you be a follower of that leader as you hope someone would follow you if you're the leader of that ministry. Have a humble spirit. That's what God's called us to do. You're under authority. I'm under authority. Do you realize, you say, do you realize that we come here at church to die? Say, Pastor, I'm dying right now. If <laughs> you're going to finish here in a second, uh, it's, you're, you're killing me. Uh, no, we, we, we come to die. We come to church to die to our will. Do you, do you realize that before Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, he died to his will? I'm, I'm going to run that up the flagpole one more time because some of you might be chewing on that a second or some of you might be wondering when I'm done. But I'm going to run that by one more time. Before Jesus died on the cross at Calvary, he had to die to his will. Pastor, that sounds weird. I don't like the sound of that. You remember when Jesus was in the garden and he sweat as it was great drops of blood? And what was he saying? Let this cup pass from me. But he came to this conclusion every time over the hours that he prayed. Not my will, but thy will be done. If he doesn't give in to his, if he doesn't die to his will, he doesn't die on the cross. I'm not trying to mess up anybody's theology because we know what happened. But you understand that that's the logical progression. So, so what do we come here to church to be? We come here to die to ourselves. This church can't be about me. Service can't be about me. Helping other people can't be about me. Uh, the, the, the ministry of Jesus Christ can't be about me. It has to be about him and him alone. And listen, I understand that. I remember when I was a youth director in Tampa, I was a youth director for about a year and a half on an interim basis. And I'd grown close to the young people that were there. We'd worked hard and we'd given our, our, our body and our soul to that ministry that was there. And one Sunday morning I came to church and the pastor who was there said, oh, by the way, uh, there's a new youth director here. And he's taken over starting today. And I'll be honest with you, I was a little upset. Well, I've been working with them for a year and a half. Now, I was very clear that I was the interim all that time. Well, and why didn't he choose me from the interim and make me the youth director? Why did he call this guy over here? Why is this the case? And I kind of, you know what the Lord had to remind me very quickly? They're not your people. It's not your job. 
Your job is to serve me where you want me to be. You know what I ended up doing? I decided I was going to do this. I was going to make that man, that new youth director, I was going to help him to be as successful as I possibly could. And I served him. You know what happened in a year? Less than a year, he was gone. And guess who became the youth director? Officially, I did. It's almost like the Lord worked it out. And we just humble ourselves. A healthy church member is saturated with the gospel. They're a student of the Bible. They're a serving member. They're under, they work under authority, but they're also a soul winner. Meaning this, you're soul conscious. You're actively witnessing to acquaintances. You pray for the souls of friends and family and neighbors. Why is this all important? Turn quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to end here. Why is this all important? It's important because it takes a church full of people to nudge people towards the gospel, typically. It takes a church full of people to nudge people towards the gospel. Let me introduce you to a fictitious family, the Smith family. It's a husband and a wife with two children. One child is about a year old. Another child is about eight years old. They've come to Liberty for the first time. They're a little bit nervous. They haven't been to church for a long time. They don't, probably don't know Jesus Christ, their Savior. They pull into church, not really knowing where to go and what to do, but there's a friendly face out in the parking lot that smiles at them and greets them and tells them, come inside. We're glad that you're here. We have some folks that will tell you where you need to go and, and how we can help you. There happens to be some greeters that are in the front, hand them a bulletin. They show the family where the nursery is, where there's a staff nursery with someone that will help that one-year-old that's there, and the child gets taken to the Sunday school and then to the junior church, and so the children are cared for and taken for, and they hear the gospel on their level. You say, they hear the gospel in the nursery? Oh, sure, we teach them about Jesus Christ even then, even if they uh, you know, blow raspberries at you and spit at you. Uh, we're going to do it anyway, just in the very little way that you can in the nursery. I mean, you're in church, you might as well, right? teach them in the Sunday school and the junior church and mom and dad get to come out here now without the children clawing on them and trying to climb up them and climb up the walls and wait that's my kids but uh, uh, the uh, not the yeah not the 17 and 18 year old but still uh, but but they get to hear the gospel and it might be that they get saved and there happens to be a couple people that are part of the visitation program that'll come by and see them on Saturday there happens to be someone that's part of the discipleship program that's going to help disciple them. Then the young people get saved. Then that, that little one-year-old's going to grow. And then eventually, because they're in church, that one-year-old that maybe never would have heard the gospel is now grown up in church. And now that one-year-old will eventually, maybe in a few years, when they can understand the gospel, they'll get saved. And their life trajectory was changed. And there's one person I haven't mentioned so far, the pastor. But do you see who I mentioned? All of you. Because if it was just one pastor and no one else here, Liberty Baptist Church would cease to exist or any church would cease to exist. Well, you got to have the pastor out there. You got to, well, I mean, I know that's God's plan, but it takes all of us. It takes all of us. People say, well, who, who is better, uh, Tom Brady or, or Bill Belichick? I said every sports radio station, when they don't have anything to talk about, they will roll that chestnut out for the next three hours, and people will, will yell at each other and scream at each other, well, does Bill Belichick need Tom Brady, or does Tom Brady need Bill? But you know what? This isn't going to be popular for sports radio, but they needed each other. Each one made the other better. You pull the coaching staff out, the players don't know what to do. 
without the players, the coaches have nothing to coach. They need each other. So much is put on the pastor so often, and so much attention gets given to the pastor so often. I'm not even talking about it in a negative way, but it takes all of us together as healthy church members to be able to do the work of the gospel. Second Timothy, or Second Corinthians rather, four, verses five through seven. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. In the end, what are we to be? We're just earthen vessels that God can use for his glory. I hope that if you're not part of Liberty Baptist Church, you'll pray about being part of Liberty Baptist Church. But even more than that, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior, your church home won't save you. Where you have your church membership will not save you. The only thing that can save you is truly the only one who can save you. And that's Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. Accept him as your Savior today. Understand that you are a sinner that needs to repent of your sins and call upon Christ alone to save you. And he will save you. And then we'll talk about baptizing you. And we pray you'll join our church. But for those of us that do know the Lord is our Savior, for those who are already part of our church, let's be the healthy church members that God's called us to be. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the pulpit of Liberty Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, or if there's any way we can serve you, please let us know by contacting us at info at mylibertybaptist.org, or you can visit us this Sunday at 800 Washington Street in Easton, Massachusetts. May the Lord bless you as you grow in his word.